Hey, this is HK Perrin, and you're listening to Echoplex Media. Check out The Plex live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Just a bunch of 
everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. This is now the number nine news podcast in California. It may or may not be because I offed two podcasters. Uh, don't know, <laughs> unsure about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's our local news show, Bay Area Local News. You can find this live, actually, every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. And uh, this month, it's a Halloween month. So to celebrate spooky season, we have a, an entire collection of Halloween-themed items in our shop at eplex.store. It'll be the featured collection all month. And if you do Halloween 2023, all caps, at checkout as a promo code, you get free shipping on any of those items. So uh, I'm Producer Dave, and you can find me on Grinder. Merchandising. This is the Councilman uh, with you as always. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman on Twitter or X or whatever the F they call it these days. Uh, I'm also uh, the 26th best local news podcaster in the greater Western San Jose area near Lincoln High School, according to my <laughs> according to my late dog. So, um, uh, you know, there's that. We're coming for you, California Report. Are we, have we passed the California Report? Did they move up as well? How do you know that's not one of the people I offed? Oh, damn. You're going after uh, Mar- <laughs> Marzerati and, and Marissa Lagos now? My God, we're shooting, we're aiming big. Well, um, hey, good. that's great news. It's great to be with you as always. Happy to dig into another week of local derp and local politics and local news. There was quite a bit of it this week. Um, there was some national news that has local angles. Uh, there was some local news that has national angles. And there was some news that had no angle at all. But that's what we like to cover here at Down Ballot. We always have an angle, and that angle is to uh, try to attract uh, eyes and ears. Yes, we create the angle if there is none. <laughs> and usually it's an obtuse, an obtuse angle. Sometimes it's acute. What do we... Oh, I, I, it's always acute. This channel is a thirst trap. <laughs> you know who's really acute? The bad baby. Um, but anyway, well, moving right along. Speaking of uh, national news that has local angles and vice versa, um, in case you hadn't heard, uh, sadly... Um, you know, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, passed away last week um, at the age of 90 and uh, after a long career in politics and uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, as is his right as the governor, uh, made an appointment to replace her in the interim between now and the, the election next year. And we're going to find out more about who the heck he decided to appoint and why. Late breaking news tonight. Governor Newsom has just announced his pick to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, who died Friday at the age of 90. The governor's office says Newsom has appointed LaFonza Butler to fill Feinstein's seat. NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau is in the newsroom with what we're learning about Butler and the barriers she's breaking. Marianne. LaFonza Butler is the president of Emily's List, a political action committee that raises money to help elect Democratic female candidates who support abortion rights. Prior to leading Emily's List, Butler served as a union president for SEIU Local 2015. The union represents thousands of nursing home and home care workers. Tonight, Governor Newsom issued this statement saying, an advocate for women and girls, a second generation fighter for working people, and a trusted advisor to Vice President Harris, LaFonza Butler represents the best of California and she'll represent us proudly in the United States Senate. The announcement comes even though just this morning the Congressional Black Caucus issued a statement urging Governor Newsom to appoint Representative Barbara Lee to Feinstein's seat. 
Late tonight, the Congresswoman issued a statement saying she looks forward to, quote, working closely with Butler to deliver for the Golden State, but adding she is still focused on winning her campaign for Senate. He does meet his own objectives, a black female, a person with phenomenal credentials, uh, very well connected with Newsom, with uh, Vice President Harris. She has... That's the first time I've ever seen like a regular colored globe behind somebody in one of these. Usually it's that sepia tone fucking galaxy brain globe that we, that we get behind these people. This guy's just got a regular. This is a pretty big flex by this guy. Yeah, no, the, uh, Larry Gersten is nothing if not a flexor, right? Uh, he's a master political scientist. Um, and he's in, as any political science commentator must, he has a fancy globe. I mean, you got to have something like that behind you. I don't, I don't know if I, I've seen moons, moon globes before. Those are a thing, too. Yeah, I'm just saying usually behind people we see a sepia tone globe and it's usually a, oh, an indication that that person's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a flat globe. Strong as the president of the SCIU. She has been the president of uh, Emily's List. These are big numbers. These are big numbers of people who are very in interested in the Democratic uh, machinery. Butler was previously appointed to the University of California Board of Regents in 2018 by then-Governor Jerry Brown. She resigned from her position in 2021. Butler is currently a Maryland voter, but the governor's office says she owns a home in California and will switch her registration to there. Now, Butler will become the first openly gay U.S. senator from California and the second black woman to represent the state in the Senate. Butler is expected to be sworn in as early as this week and will serve until the next senator is elected. Back to you. Marianne, thank you very much. Well, California Senator Alex Padilla also released a statement this evening saying, in part, LaFunza Butler has been a strong voice for working families, LGBTQ rights, and a champion for increasing women's representation in politics. I am honored to welcome her to the United States Senate. Meantime tonight, we've learned more about tributes for the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. She will lie in state at San Francisco City Hall Wednesday. That's open to the public. Then Thursday, a funeral service will be held in the Herbst Theater at the War Memorial and Performing Arts Center. The service will not be open to the public, but will be streamed online. The public can watch the service stream at the North Light Court at San Francisco City Hall. And tomorrow, City Hall will be open for people to sign condolence books. The public Welcome between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Our coverage of Senator Feinstein's passing continues both on air and online. For the very latest, visit our website, NBCBayArea.com, and download our free NBC Bay Area news app. It's weird that that person was registered to vote in a different state. I, well, I mean, she she lives in a different state. I mean, she lives in, in oh, Maryland or wherever it is. Well, yeah, that, I mean, she's, that's she's not great. <laughs> well, I mean, she's, well, I, you can, there's actually a, a I mean, the caveat of all this is she's she's going to move back to California. She's from California. She more than likely, when you get to that level of of badassery, you probably have a property here that you can move back into. So that's probably not an issue. She just needs to move back and re-register it, and it will be a, it won't be a thing um, because the rules in the Congress are drastically different from what you have at the local level, where you have to you know you have to reside in the district you are running in for a city council or supervisor or anything else you know, at least 30 days prior to the, uh, uh, the filing deadline. Uh, and in this case, obviously that wouldn't pass muster, but in Congress, for example, you don't have to live in your district, even when you are elected, uh, to, to serve that district. For example, uh, Tom McClintock, a Republican from Thousand Oaks, you know where Thousand Oaks is? 
vaguely i have some i have a vague idea of where it is yeah right so like uh between like simi valley and ventura kind of a place you know uh that kind of place edge of the valley and he represented he lived there and represented a district in northern california like shasta basically like but north of shasta well, that, jefferson well, county currently la malfa's district yeah i want to say so um yeah, yeah. But he, he represented that district for quite some time and he never never lived there so uh yeah it's uh it's not a definitely not a hard steadfast rule, um, but, but it's not surprising that you know she's the head of a national organization and she lives probably in the outskirts of D.C. Um, in Maryland right now, uh, where the action is and probably where the main office of Emily's List is. So um, yeah, she'll move back while she's in the Senate and, and doing that that gig, um, and more than likely relinquish her gig with Emily's List in the meantime. Um, but yeah. Uh, do we know Sorry, if she's expected to uh, run for re-election or if the understanding is she's going to fill that seat and then uh, not run? Well, here's the thing. I mean, she could. It uh, just, just like when, um, I forget how long we've been doing this show, but when Ed Lee was, you know, uh, took over as the mayor of San Francisco and was a point, you know, and uh, he, he even pledged that he wouldn't run and then he ended up doing it. Um, but in this case... The expectation is that she's not going to run. I think the the understanding that Gav the Gav has with her more than likely is that she's not going to run. Um, and uh, but the the rules, you know, there's no rule. There's no nothing uh, preventing her from running if she should choose to do so. She's person of free will. Um, that's the, the concern that came up around Barbara Lee, right? Um, you know, Barbara Lee is obviously a black. Well, Gavin wanted to appoint a black woman. Yeah, Barbara Lee is a prominent, fully qualified black woman to serve in the Senate. There are quite a few, good, good on us, qual fully qualified black women in California who could serve in the Senate. Karen Ask, the mayor of Los Angeles, is another one. Um, so, uh, But folks in Barbara's camp in uh, the Senate race obviously would love to see her appointed because it, that would give her, um, you know, uh, not an inside track, but a very big leg up in the race to actually be the senator. Um, and that's exactly why you don't appoint Barbara Lee, and it's why you don't appoint Adam Schiff or Katie Porter or anyone who's running for or seeking the seat because you just don't you don't want to give any of those candidates an undue advantage. And another reason you don't appoint somebody who's in a member of the House is now you just leave a vacant seat in the House. True. I mean that that's that's also problematic. In Barbara's case, she's in a district in you know the East Bay where it's like there's no possible way that a Republican Oh, but I know, but you, then, you're, then you're, then you're, then you're, if, if, I don't know if the you're governor appoints seat, that, but now you're, now you're yeah, appointing you're two people and now you're, sure. the people are already called that guy a dictator, right? So now yeah. you're appointing two people in that, well, in that actually, well, oddly in the congressional case, he wouldn't appoint the congressional, he, this is a state only for statewide offices for the congressional seat that they would have a special election to replace Barbara. Um, so that, that, that would be what would happen. And then in that case, a Democrat would absolutely win because there's no, there's no possible way that a Democrat or a Republican wins that that district, right? Right, but I mean, you you just create another vacancy. You're like shuffling around vacancies at that point. You, I can see where you might not. I can see where you might not want to do that. Just just because, especially because of how tedious everything is right now at the federal level, you don't want to have one less Democrat in the House while you get that special election ready to go. <laughs> sure, like, yeah, and that it's. I think that's much more important in the Senate where you have a literally no vote, one vote. You know, Joe Manchin majority. Um, in the House, you're you're already out of power you're down eight votes anyway um and you can get the shit done quickly and you they could even there's probably even some sort of process for someone to appoint someone to replace to replace them in the interim i'm just saying that he would never select anybody who was sitting in congress who was serving in a, a swing district right that would never right. happen of course not and 
And he had this selection. If anyone thinks that Gavin didn't have this selection worked out, the statement ready, the candidate ready, everything all in the bag before Diane died, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. She was ill. Everyone knew it. He had this planned. It was ready. It was ready to go. And as soon, you know, within 24 hours of her passing, it was it was locked. It was sealed. Signed, sealed, delivered. So at statement, everyone's statements were ready to go. Senator or uh, Senator Padilla, who also was appointed by Gavin Newsom, by the way, to fill Kamala Harris's seat. Um, uh, you know, he had the statement ready to go. So everyone was ready for this. Um, and you know, I got a lot of texts like, "What do you think about this? Who is this person?" I'm like, "Well, exactly. That's exactly why he appointed this person." And it's someone he can curry political favor with too down the road. This is a, this is something he, you know he can build a relationship with, and and who knows what he's promised her or what she's promised him um, in this deal because it's definitely a deal. There's something going on. Here. I want to know her position on using killer robots on the, the on our unhoused uh, friends. <laughs> well, I think we'll find out uh, in just a little bit. Actually, uh, we'll, we'll at least we'll, uh, we'll have to get her opinion on it at some point if Mayor Ed Two Hundred Nine has his way. Speaking of which, let's move on to winners and losers where there are no winners unless you're really rooting against somebody and then they probably win. Raw, raw. This is uh, San, San Jose Mayor Ed 209 seeks a crisis declaration due to the number of uh, homeless people in uh, San Jose. Let's see, uh, let's see what's going on from the news and then um, we'll talk about declaring a crisis is asking the city council to declare a homeless crisis in that city. KTVU South Bay reporter Jesse Gary has more now on the reasons behind a potential declaration and what it could do to help ease the problem. Months before San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan walked to a Monday news conference, he knew homelessness was out of control. This is a crisis. We have to treat it like a crisis that our actions because he had eyes match our rhetoric. The mayor, vice mayor, and others submitting a memo Wednesday classifying San Jose in crisis due to the number of unhoused residents. I think homeless advocates deemed it a crisis the day they saw it. Over 4,000 people live along riverbeds, in RVs, and on sidewalks of the city billed as the capital of Silicon Valley. Officials say COVID exacerbated the problem. Our residents in our city are frustrated, and we as council are frustrated. Now encampments have grown, and so have problems associated with unsheltered living. It's a little bit like a patient who's had a car accident. First, you got to stop the bleeding. Officials say a crisis declaration would streamline current policies and procedures to shorten the time it takes to build interim housing or safe parking and sleeping sites from years to months. This is an emergency. We have to move with all haste to build safe, dignified alternatives to encampments. So as a council, it's our obligation to get barriers out of the way to make sure that we can do things as quickly as possible. Some formerly unhoused residents point to successes, such as last week's opening of a hotel for the unhoused, as a path to success. We just got to put one foot and put in the other and, and just want to give it a shot, man, and take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Some critics charge the city is sounding the alarms after the firestorm of homelessness has grown too big. It's like watching a house burn to the ground and saying, we need water on the house, the burning fire. But then you watch another house appear that's on fire. The mayor needs a majority on the rules committee to vote in favor of the crisis declaration. Then it would go to the full council for a vote, possibly as soon as the end of this month. At San Jose City Hall, Jesse Gary, KTVU, Fox 2 News. So what do you know what powers uh, this would give uh, city officials that they don't currently have? I have no 
earthly fucking idea what it would do. Honestly, this is just this is fucking performative bullshit. As far as I can tell, it's a big nothing burger. Oh my god, there's a fucking homelessness crisis. You fucking you're you're shitting me, right? Like, right, like the I guy with the curly hair was saying. He's like he's like you don't say. My fucking lord, dude. The, the, like, this was a problem prior to the recession. Like, the, the 20, 30 years we've been dealing with this problem. And we could have been dealing with it sooner in a, as a crisis and taking it more seriously as a crisis 30 years ago when shit would have been cheaper to build, right? And it would have been easier to get all this done because we wouldn't have had all uh, all the planning and infill and, and development that's happened in the interim. And we might have some opportunities out there, but no, no. <laughs> no god forbid when things are great and things are booming and the, the tech industry is booming god forbid we take the time to you know look out for our fellow people and build more affordable housing when we have the chance and we have the largesse to do it right and and get all these options out there and and prepare for the future but no we <laughs> we wait we wait and then like we, i think we declared a housing crisis eight nine years ago when i was running for the city council that was that was around the time that, that the first housing crisis was declared by mayor Licardo. so now this is mayor mahan's housing crisis declaration and it doesn't change you're right it doesn't change damn thing it doesn't change damn thing about his powers or their powers or what they can do it just create you know create some sort of uh you know ethereal sense of urgency around an issue that they should have a sense of urgency around um, but apparently they can't seem to get along long enough, uh, and find common, common ground, uh, on solutions, uh, to get something done. And this, that's why people are frustrated. That's why people want to throw all these assholes out. That's why we've got so much, you know, we've fomented so much hate out there. It's because people just don't believe that these guys can actually get anything done. Well, the, the, the main problem is Matt Mahan, Matt Mahan seems, which by the way, I bet like as a tech bro, he probably has the he probably would be interested in the philosophy of long-termism, but only on a philosophical level, like only when he's at dinner with a bunch of fucking other rich guys, right? Where they're like, oh, you know, the, the effective altruism people, they're like into this long-termism thing, which I think they mean, they, I think they mean like putting people on Mars or something. And, um, but all, but all, all, he, all, he, all he suggests are short-term solutions. Mm-hmm. He's only suggesting the short term. Well, he, that's the thing, because uh, in his eye, that's that's the solution. It's not like spending all this time and money to create more housing, like actual housing, permanent housing, supportive housing, and also to create tiers of housing, right? Like, yes, do we need the emergency housing? Yes. Do we need shelters? Yes. Do we also need the supportive housing, transitional housing? Yes. Do we need the permanent housing? Yes, we need all of these things at all income levels, right? Including free uh, and completely subsidized. But his whole thing, his entire, his campaign rhetoric, his reason for being as mayor, right? The, the revolution of common sense was built around a cleaner, safer city, right? That cleaner, safer, cleaner, safer city, cleaner, safer city over and over and over again. And what did that mean, right? It didn't just mean, you know, scrubbing the park benches, right? And, and cleaning the bird poop off of the, the sidewalks. No, no. It meant sweeping up all our unhoused neighbors and friends who were living in encampments and, and getting those eyesores out of the way for all the bitty, you know, Almaden people that he used to represent, right? And people in my neighborhood. Getting that out of the way. So they don't have to look at that every day. They don't have to see their fellow people suffering 
um, uh, every single day because that's what's actually happening out there. Um, no, we don't want to see that. So we're going to clean up the city and make it safer because they're also dangerous and they cause crime, right? Uh, so he wants to get them out of that out of the way as soon as possible. And yeah, the quickest way, if you want to do that, the quickest way to do that, if you want to spend the money, is to build a shit ton of shelters or build a shit ton of these, you know, uh, 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 storage unit, basically, or what are they called? Uh, 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 shipping container, you know, units, which are fine if you're talking about getting someone off the street so they don't freeze to death, right? Or, or burn up uh, in the heat and they can get some stability in their life. Um, but in terms of like a permanent solution, it's not. And if you don't have the permanent solution on the other end, it doesn't matter if you have the emergency solution because eventually someone else is going to need that emergency solution. And the point is to matriculate people. So long story short, he's trying to get people off the street as soon as possible to clean things up for his people and the people that voted for him so that next year when he stands for re-election, he can say, look, I did something. I got something done. And just like a year and a half, I got something done. Woohoo. He's not going to get anything done, but the people aren't going to hold him accountable either. And he's going to get reelected regardless. But he's, that's why he's pushing this. And David Cohen, uh, the council member there with him is just coming along for the ride as sort of the, he's, he thinks he's like the olive branch between these two warring factions on the council, the Mayhans and the non-Mayhans. And, and he comes out looking like kind of a dweeb. But that's so, fine. I mean, he just wants it to appear as though the problem has been solved or that there has been progress made. And by, yeah. by that, he probably doesn't even care if we push these people further out of, out of sight necessarily, just that they're not at second in Santa Clara or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and frankly, whether or not it actually, you know, solves anything in the long term, you know, these short solutions and just a press conference, right. Is something he's going to point to, right. He can, he did a press conference, right. He's got solutions. He's got a little placard that says, you know, I've got solutions. I've got common sense. So even just doing a press conference about how, what they're doing or how they're spending money or how his opponents are blocking everything he's trying to do. Right. Like that's pretty much what he's been bitching about is just, Oh, they're, they're not letting me do what I want to do. Um, and if I did, if I had my way, I'd be looking out for you and you, your tax dollars would be well spent. Instead, they're giving raises to public employees and, and they're letting homeless people run rampant and cause crime. Um, it's just, it's disgusting, but that's his rhetoric at this point. And that's exactly what this plays into. And anyone who aligns himself with or themselves with that is you know, asking for, uh, asking for shaming from our end. So there isn't, you don't, you don't see like a strong, like more progressive challenger to him coming in the next cycle. No, I mean, there's no one at this point, especially like we're at October 1st. Now we are six months. Like it's funny, kind of fucking scary. We're six months from election day. I think or five months. Is it five months from election day? Sorry about that. Early March is the primary, right? So we're like 150 days from election day. And that's not a lot. Of, that's not enough time for anyone other than like a Cindy Chavez to jump into the race, raise enough money build enough public awareness of, their, of themselves, right? Um, she's got the name ID. She can raise the money. It, the problem is she's got a ceiling because she she's known. She's got the name ID, and you either love her or you do not love her. And there's just enough people out there who do not love her to keep her from winning, apparently. Um, and she's tried twice, so you can try again. Um, well, last really, time, I think what we noticed was she tried to out Matt Mahan, Matt Mahan. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't, but I don't see any indication that she would do anything different because there was no, like, I, I well, also haven't seen if she's going to run at all. I frankly. think it's too and late. She, well, she'd be smart to not, she'd be smart to just back away and do something else and find another space to be a badass in. Cause she's a badass. She's absolutely, when it comes to Santa Clara County politics, Cindy Chavez is a badass. She just needs to find 
something other than being San Jose mayor to do be- to do badassery in because apparently she can't be that. But she can be anything else she wants to be. She's uh, she is that much of a badass. So um, I have a lot of respect for her. I just hope that she does not choose to run and that not that they give up. I mean, someone should take up the mantle. Someone should give him a run for his money, make him run a campaign, make him justify himself. But more than likely not going to be her, but it's she's the only one who could potentially even come close to beating him. Like, there's no one else who's, at least in the progressive side, who's who's lined up and ready to go and could do that in five months. Yeah, the only other person I can think of who <clears throat> has, like, name recognition and experience, like, with the city is uh, your former opponent and current councilman, Dev, Dev Davis. Davis, but she's not going to run against him, right? I feel like that it would be hard. It'd be very hard for her to draw any distinctions between herself and him, to, in in order to even get people to like interested in what she's talking about. And other other things aside, like the sexism of our our area and the fact that like, well, no, I think it's mostly that she just can't really draw a whole lot of distinction between her and Mayor Ed two hundred nine. And a, a, unless there's somebody like somebody from the old school that comes back, maybe. And I can't. I'm, it's, I'm having a hard time there's, thinking of who that might be. No- yeah, Ron Gonzalez. There's really no one other than him. Maybe I, I think that that was out there that, that could, you know. Oh, um, Pierre Luigi. Pierre Luigi should run. He could try it again, but again, he 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 <laughs> tried mayor. Like, I, I, he, I, I don't he, even he, live in San Jose. If that Pierre Luigi guy runs, I'm putting a Matt Mayhem fucking well, thing in my he's, front yard. He's he's already busy running for district, his old city council district, because that seems to be the only seat he can win. Right, Cindy Chavez mayor is the only race she can't win pure luigi district six is the only race he can win so i think he's going to try for that again um and he's going to launch probably late and 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 build use his name id to propel himself but uh yeah no i i i don't see anyone else out there besides her that could even come close to, to challenging him in realistic sense but someone should um give him a run um but it's yet to be seen if that will happen and again the voters aren't fickle they're just apathetic and they don't pay attention and there's no one really minding the ship for them so uh you can skate by just on press conferences alone unfortunately i think somebody out of somebody at the i don't know who i don't know who but somebody who manages bike party should run against him Wouldn't that <laughs> just, be nice? there's only like five people that like manage that i'm trying to think of i think there's this one lady who i think would be good but she's I, and the only reason i think she'd be good is because i love her but um like it, if somebody's going to come in and, and challenge him, it's going to be somebody from like the community organizing sort of sector because uh, sure. anybody from the political machine, it's going to be really hard because he's he's kind of good at like pretending to be whoever he needs to pretend to be, depending on who he's talking to. And so drawing distinctions, trying to draw your distinction between yourself and him is really hard unless you're like you or me. But then like, you know, I don't live there anymore. And like, yeah. And like I, I have baggage, and you know, you, you, you can't run for mayor. You just had a baby, so and Dev already ran. Like she tried it, and it did not work. She couldn't build a base even then. Again, running against Matt, right? So uh, in the same race, so she's not going to go for it again. And Pierre Luigi more than likely won't go for it again. He got schooled when he ran for mayor. Johnny so, Camus. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but but he's far he too clobbered. Yeah. No, but he would. He supports. He's on board with Matt's agenda. Like that's the, again. It would know, be hard for no, him to, unless he tacked pretty hard to the right. It would be hard for him to distinguish himself from Mayhem. But then if he tacks to the right, he gets clobbered. It doesn't even matter though, because he wouldn't even. There, it's not even a consideration, right? Like it's right. not even something. Right. He, he gets would even if think he tries to. If he tries to almost run like a, uh, if he tries to run like as a, as a actual conservative in San Jose. He gets fucking clobbered. No matter yeah, who's he's running, running he doesn't want him. the. Well, he doesn't want the job as long as the guy who has the job is doing exactly what he would be doing in the job. Why would you yeah. want the job, right? So that fu- fundamentally doesn't want the job. So um, 
Yeah, so there's no one out there. So he'll he'll skate to re-election. He'll probably be around for 10 years, and maybe he'll grow some pubic hairs before then. Okay, well, that was weird. Um, let's go. Let's move on to the next story here. We got um, the SF San Francisco DA is cracking down on crimes on public transportation. Let's see what's going Imagine. on with that. 11 tonight, it has gone too far. San Francisco's district attorney says her office is putting an end to brazen crimes that happen on public transit, and she's doing it one prosecution at a time. Today's case, an example, a man prosecuted for stealing a cell phone from a 69-year-old woman. Here's NBC Bay Area, Stephanie Magallon. Some say this is an everyday site, crime scenes and interruptions when using San Francisco's public transportation. Like my heart always pounds. Who's going to come? What they're going to do? Are they going to attack me? Commuters describe it as a daily battle where they're constantly looking over their shoulder. Especially at night um, when it gets dark outside. So, yeah. So some of the B-roll they used was from uh, Alameda County, not San Francisco yeah. County. I've had my purse stolen before. I've had well. my phone stolen before. And so I called the police, did a report online and never... They never did anything about it. But tonight, a loud message coming from the San Francisco District Attorney's Office after the jury conviction of a man accused of stealing an iPhone from a 69-year-old woman as she was boarding on a bus. People have felt that uh, an extreme level of lawlessness is something that we are going to tolerate as a city. And I wanted to be clear that not only is it not something that my office and law enforcement is going to tolerate, but I think San Francisco juries are saying to the extent they've been offered sufficient evidence, enough is enough. Prosecutors say 27-year-old DeAndre Gibson intentionally targeted the victim. They say after taking off with her phone, the woman tried chasing him. Then two good Samaritans stepped in and one of them followed Gibson in a car until police were able to detain him. This is a serious crime. The brazenness of it um, is something that we have to take seriously. And certainly as people get away with these types of things, they're emboldened to do others. And that's what we want to stop. But others believe prosecution shouldn't be the first step in fighting crime. These people are not responsible themselves. If they were, then it wouldn't happen, right? So I think they should look at what's really going on with the system. Stephanie Magallon, NBC Bay Area News. So who the fuck steals a phone anymore? Like a stolen phone, like the, the cell phone companies and carriers have basically made a stolen phone completely fucking useless. No idea. Um, I don't even know. Like, can you... Is there anything you can do with like parts for a phone? Like, uh, is yeah, there a market that, for I those? guess. But then, like, that's just a lot of work, like fencing the parts seems, and seems like it. I mean, unless you, unless you just like, maybe you're hired to steal the phone by you just give the phone to whoever, and the, that that person goes into their little, you know, hovel and and is the one doing all the tearing apart and, and selling of the stuff, and they have like five or six people doing this shit for them. Who knows? The only thing um, I can think of is that they don't really want the phone itself. They want the uh, information on it because sometimes you're, you know, you're, you continue to be logged into your email. You continue to be in, you know, from your banking uh, app, you can maybe reset your email, your password via your email, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe it's not the phone itself. Maybe it's the, the access to people's uh, personal information that's on the phone that is worthwhile, but still, I, uh, I mean, you, some, I have an old phone too. I've been thinking about getting a new one, and I can just brick my phone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. I. I. I, th I agree with you. I don't think it's the hardware or the phone itself. I think it is um, just any. You know, the the chance that you know it can't. You can't. Uh, they can't brick it right, or they don't know how, or they or that you have away. enough time between the yeah. time that they brick it. 
that sure, you can that. get access to like their email account, basically their primary email address, right? Sure. And if you have, and if you're tech savvy enough, right, you should be able to do that pretty quickly, right? And, and get whatever you might need um, and then get out before. Uh, I wonder if that's things. why like older, older folks are maybe likely the target on this because they may be less likely to have good, like sort of uh, like, uh, uh, like personal security around their devices. Or to even know how to access, even if they have it, right? Even know how to access it quickly or how to, what to do if they yeah. lose their phone. Like, oh, I, yeah. What do you do when you uh, lose your phone? Oh, well, I, uh, I, I turn it off. Well, how do you turn it off? Well, I first I pick up my phone. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it's not to say that, that everybody in that age range, I mean, if somebody got one of my parents' phones, they would just break it from the other, you know, from the other one of their phones in five fucking right. minutes. Cause right. Because that's that's who they are. But like as a demographic, I think like older people might be m less likely to have good personal security around their devices. But <clears throat> this is also good like, good bet. this is, I don't know why it went to a jury trial because you'd think if you stole somebody's phone and you got caught with it, you'd just plead out and probably get probation. Because they, they didn't describe any, they didn't describe any, any like, if there would have been violence, I mean, yeah, taking someone's phone is technically violent, but. They didn't describe any like you know. They didn't say that he that that the the, the person was assaulted or or beaten up or anything. Sure. Well, no. At the end of the day, the, the the DA still has to is the prosecuting attorney, and they can decide to press it. They don't have to take a settlement. They don't have to take any sort of plea at all. They could just they can press it straight to court, and that could be what Burke Jenkins is trying to do because it sounds like she's trying to crack down and be tough on crimes. Um, that seems to be her mo, right? So she could just be pressing this issue to make a point about this one case, right? Um. Or the defendant could be stubborn and think, well, they're, you know, what I'm going to get in the deal is not what I could get in court because I'll go prove my case and that it was, you know, it was a minor offense and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, whatever I, I my first offense. So I will, I'll get off easier if I go through the court process I just, and I have a pro bono attorney or whatever, who's helping me out. Right. So, um, could be that too, but I would more likely guess it's the DA just wanting to make an example and just pressing it and just saying, fuck you. I'm not going to take a a deal like we're going to go to court and i'm going to throw the fucking book at you for stealing a phone yeah i don't know there's a there's a lot of unknowns here but <clears throat> i also sure. think that like Always. for for the like for the perception of san francisco you'd think that the da wouldn't want to be publicizing these kinds of <laughs> things the way yeah. that that she is <laughs> well i mean i i don't know if she's the one necessarily you know yeah it, i i feel like that's exactly what she wants to do um and it, there's def there are two factions right now there are absolutely two factions there's the law and order safe clean city clean safe city ed 209 faction and there's the fa the other faction basically <laughs> that that doesn't believe that unhoused people or um you know random uh acts of theft on uh uni you know are really the, the underlying problem in our society um, that there are deeper deeper ills um that's what we believe on this side so there's just two factions right now, and they're in that faction. And frankly, there's a lot of people in their faction. There's a lot of voters and a lot of people who vote in March primary elections when nobody's voting. Um, that's when the people in their faction vote, and they know that. And it's, it's cynical, but it's true. So you, they choose that. They choose that side maybe because their values are there, or they can they don't they can sleep at night. They're close enough, um, but they choose it because it's a politically expedient uh, way to go, and you can win and then if you win you know you can make a big splash doing some a few little things that align with those values and then you can do other stuff that no one really knows about that 
is really more aligned with where you're coming from, right? Oh. Where, where, where your values are at. And you can get good things done um, after being elected, but you got to get elected first. And cynical people think, well, you got to appeal to the voters, the, the baseline voters, baseline values. And well, we're going to stay in San Francisco for this next story here. It seems that homeless advocates are um, once again at odds with uh, San Francisco Mayor London Breed. Same story, different person. Markel Eugene Raybon calls this spot in San Francisco's Mission District home, at least for now. I live in the future. I'm still worried about uh, street life every day. And he says Mayor London Breed's announcement Tuesday is adding to his concern. No more anything goes without accountability. No more handouts without accountability. Right now in San Francisco, more than 5,000 homeless or formerly homeless people are getting nearly $700 a month in welfare. And the mayor wants to make it so people have to pass a drug test in order to get a check. So in order to get resources from our city, you will need to be in a substance use disorder program and consistently seeking treatment. I think that everyone is concerned about the number of overdose deaths and everyone is trying really hard to find solutions. This is not a good one. Lydia Branston is the executive director of the Gubio Project, a nonprofit providing everything from medical services to a place to sleep. Stability reduces drug use. Instability increases drug use, taking away people's vital money that they use to purchase the things that they need to survive will create more instability. Branston says they provide a lot of those necessities here, but is worried they won't be able to keep up. Anytime you take away someone's resources, it's not that their need goes away. It's just the resources for those things have gone away. Without having programs like this, we're we going to stand and lose a lot of people. People go back to jail recidivism rates. You know, it, it just trickles downward. But the city points to its recent survey, showing more than half of unhoused people self-disclosed having a substance use disorder. Some may test clean, some may test dirty. For myself, I can't give you an answer because I go days and I don't. I go days and I don't, honestly. I hope that people wouldn't be put in a place where they don't get to have the benefits they need to survive and put them in a worse situation and condition. Tara Campbell, ABC7 News. So this is this is fucked up. First of all, um, does the does the welfare? I think the welfare comes from the state of California, not from the city of San Francisco. Is that correct? Uh, probably through the county of San Francisco. They they remember they're a city county. Okay, so gotcha. so that yeah, they'll probably they probably distribute the through their social services agency and their human services agency so, or whatever. Can the mayor do this? Oh, uh, she certainly thinks she can. Um, I don't know. I don't know some of the, I don't know the rules that are placed on that money because the money does come from the feds more than likely originates there, at least some of it, um, and then trickles down to the county level. So I'm sure there are some rules around how you can you know, spend that money and what you can do and what, what restrictions you can put on receiving that money. Um, but I, she certainly thinks she can. So uh, one would hope that it's been vetted by attorneys and all that. But God knows sometimes, again, this could, could be another thing where it's proposed, but nothing ever comes of it. She realizes it's not possible and not even legal, um, but she doesn't prevent her from proposing it and having a press conference, right, and talking about it and getting on the front page of the news. And then if nothing happens, it's not going to be on the front page of the news if nothing happens, right? Right. So, nothing happening so, Nothing happening. rarely makes the news. Correct. So she'll, she'll skate whether or not you know, it actually comes to fruition or not. If it happens, she can say, oh, look, it happened. And if it's successful, oh, it was successful. Or if she can find a number to... to 
you know, fudge to make it look successful. Oh, it was successful. Or just won't talk about it if it never happens and they don't talk about it like it never happened. But they had this nice press conference. Gotcha. Well, we're going to move yeah. across the bay here to Oakland. And it yep. looks like your description here is that their uh, police commissioner meeting was uh, lit. Yes. As, there the, are, as, the, as, as the, the people that aren't even, as the 30-year-olds say. Speaking of, yeah, right. There's the 30 year olds, not even the, the next generation. I don't even know how they, they talk. They are speaking some language I, I'm not even familiar with. Um, so yeah, speaking of factions, apparently there are factions developed in the Oakland uh, police commission, um, uh, around the firing of the former chief, which we've been covering. So, uh, those came to a boil as it were, um, a festering boil at the latest commission meeting. We're going to hear more about it. The future of Oakland's police department tonight on the agenda at the commission meeting, and there is plenty of support for former chief LaRon Armstrong. He came to the neighborhood. He um, he met people. We've we seen him on a daily basis, and he... Um, he did more for the city. Since he was fired seven months ago, the city has not filled the top job. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mike Mime. And I'm Julie Hayner. Tonight, the police commission met at City Hall discussing who should be the department's next chief. KTVU's Zach Soss was at that meeting. Zach, what did you hear from those in attendance? Interesting well, name. Heard there, the vast majority of people attending tonight's town hall very much behind former Chief Laron Armstrong, calling for him to be reinstated to his position. And that being said, there was a smaller group on the other side, which characterized tonight's meeting as less about finding a new chief and more about undermining the mayor. I believe that he should be reinstated. What happened with with Chief Armstrong? showed that he doesn't support police accountability. One by one, Oaklanders stepping up to the mic at Thursday's police commission town hall, weighing in on the February firing of Chief LaRon Armstrong and who they'd like to see take the helm of the department next. Among them, Gail Harbin and her husband, Jerry. They were wrong for firing Chief Armstrong in the beginning. They did not allow due process before they fired him, and they should reinstate him because it was very premature. LaRon Armstrong will be back. Armstrong's ouster by Oakland Mayor Shang Tao in February, coming after a probe criticizing the former chief's handling of misconduct investigations involving his officers, but that decision coming under intense scrutiny after an appeal by Armstrong cleared him of any wrongdoing. So far, Mayor Tao has defended her decision, a position backed by Jenny Ziliak in the audience. Our democracy is in trouble right now because we elected this mayor. We had a good turnout election. We elected this mayor and she's being undermined by the same group of people as in that room every chance that they get. And um, their job as the police commission is not to undermine the mayor. The police commission had been expected to put forward a list of potential candidates for the chief job at Thursday's meeting, but in protest of their leadership, several members chose not to show up, preventing a quorum. I would say that given the, the circumstances and that he was doing an excellent job that and that he was fired wrongfully, that he should be entitled to his job. But it is not my decision to make. We would need to vote to do that, and hence the political theater that is preventing us from voting. So as you heard there, the commission chair hoping that during the next meeting they will have enough members show up that they can move this process forward, that they can finally submit a list of potential candidates to fill that open chief position. That next meeting scheduled to take place on October 12th. Back to you. Yeah. 
sorry. The meeting we will be at, no doubt. All right, Zach Sauce live tonight in Oakland. Zach, thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach Sauce. What an interesting name. So, the, so the two factions are people who want to attempt to reinstate the old uh, police commissioner or the police chief and people who would like to see someone new take the play, take their place. Uh, and I think those factions are probably sort of along the lines of who is supportive of the mayor's decision and who isn't. Is that more or less right? It's probably more aligned with, I mean, as much as I hate to point her out, the, the uh, gal who's supportive of the mayor, um, mayor, uh, pal, uh, she was in another story we covered, I think where she, she was very big supporter, very adamant, uh, uh against uh, this movement. There's, the faction is basically against Mayor Sheng Tao, right? Uh, they're not so much against her one decision here, although it's a very convenient reason to be upset and to be uh, uh, pushing back and just to be forming a faction. But their faction is we don't like her in general, and we actually wanted someone else to be mayor. And yes, we don't like that she fired. We wanted a. It was actually, frankly, quite frankly speaking, it was an African American candidate who uh, lost out in the runoff or the instant runoff to her, and. Uh, his supporters, um, also supportive of the black uh, former police chief, right? So there's the, there's def- also that thread that they are developing here, like of a, some sort of racist mayor, right? Uh, going after all of our our fine African American uh, leaders. So yeah, there's there are a lot of threads underlying this, um, and unfortunately, nothing is uh, nothing about this is focused on keeping the people of Oakland safe. Theoretically, what the police are there for. And so now we're going to find out in our next story. They're taking matters into their own hands because they're sick and tired of waiting for the city to figure their shit out. As crime continues to rise in Oakland, an increasing number of people say something has to change. And some say they are tired of waiting for the city to make those changes. They're looking to do it themselves. NBC Bay Area's Bagad Shaban explains they're looking at everything from private cameras to private security. Can I jump in for one second? James Breeden is meeting with a security firm in hopes of using new technology to keep his Oakland community safe. But he's not a law enforcement officer. He's a stay-at-home dad who's fed up with Oakland's rising crime rates. He's worried, and so are his neighbors. They feel scared. Burglaries are up 40% citywide this year. Robberies, 30%. Car thefts are spiking, too, up 43%, with more than 10,000 stolen so far this year. But more scary for our neighbors is the escalation in violent crimes. Surveillance video captured the gunfire back in May when a nanny was mugged in what has long been known as an upscale part of Oakland. She wasn't hurt, but the 15-month-old she was pushing in a stroller was hit by shrapnel when the robber opened fire during the attack. It's one of the many incidents that led neighbors to demand changes. Now Breeden, who's a volunteer board member for the Lakeshore Homes Association in Oakland, is helping get 11 license plate readers installed throughout the neighborhood. What it will do is let us track where criminals are coming in, which entrances they're using, what times of day, things like that. So it'll be a data collection primarily. It also helps, there's some evidence with solving crimes. When something happens, they plan to share the data with police. But even those in the security industry acknowledge the potential concerns. I do believe that there are significant privacy issues when using license plate recognition and potentially tracking people inside of the um, community uh, without their knowledge. 
And so that there should be some disclosure as to what's being done and some policies put in place um, to make sure that it's not abused um, by, you know, the homeowner managers or people in the homeowners association to track, you know, their neighbors and the like. In the meantime, neighbors That's how it's gonna be used. to double their own private patrols. They're afraid. They're afraid. Terry Lee is with the nonprofit Safer Crocker Highlands. She says her car has been broken into at least six times in the last five years. It's something that we're all seeing and feeling. It's, it's, uh, um, it's really bad and we need to do something to stop it. At an annual cost of $35,000, neighbors hope those new license plate readers will be up and recording and part of the solution by the end of the year. The Band, NBC Bay Area News. Oh, hell no. <clears throat> like, I do not want, like, okay, first of all, First of all, if somebody thinks if somebody that has access to these cameras thinks their partner's cheating on them, you know straight up they're gonna fucking use these cameras to try to figure that shit out. Um, there, people people are gonna fucking be using this 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 shit to fucking fuck with their neighbors' teenage kids. They're gonna be using yes. this shit for all kind of fucking things. They said that they're not gonna use this for. Yes, but they're scared, producer Dave. People are scared. That one nice lady has had her car broken into six times you know she only left her purse in the front seat three of those times she only left the door unlocked twice and i, I think she left the the brand new flat screen tv in the back seat that sixth time so that that's really on her i suppose um but anyway yeah they're, they're scared producer and when people are scared they do irrational things um, uh, and and they and they they err on the side of wanting to spy on everybody yeah, I don't know. The other thing is, like, I don't know if they put that shit up. <clears throat> if, like, non, if non-law if non enforcement uh, entities started putting that shit up in my neighborhood, I'd have a fucking, I'd have half a mind to just fucking dismantle it. Well, especially if it's, uh, I mean, if, if you're part of an, it, it would only be makes make sense if this was part of an HOA. They'd have to have some sort of neighborhood authority to do this. Um, it couldn't just be some neighbor's like performed a nonprofit like this, right? Like they'd have to have some buy-in from everyone to get this done. So it's going to be a planned community or an HOA or something like that, where they have, there's some, some jackass has authority to do this and, and everyone has to sort of suck it up. But yeah, fucking <laughs> just spray painting them, spray paint, black spray paint on the, the lenses and that. Kind oh, that's of thing. what people are going to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, what, where's the accountability? Like, how do we know who, and what and where and how this information is you know being shared or used or seen and you know there's so many problems with this so so many problems i i thought this was just like a ramped up neighborhood watch where people are just out walking their dogs more often but no this is like now, the other thing is like <laughs> this, this is going to be this is going through some third party service too it's not like it's not like the the first guy we saw is going to have like a like a data center in his fucking shed or whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? This is going to go through some third party service where it may not even be your neighbors who are fucking the ones doing shitty stuff with your, your information. It's going to be some fucking right. company. Right. No, it, it, absolutely. Some third party company that has, I, I mean, cause it's not like Larry, your neighbor knows how to, you know, build this system out. Right. Like he just has the ability to open up a browser and check or open up a desktop app app and you know apply and watch the video and see the details but he has no idea how to set this stuff up so someone's setting it up and running it for them right um so where's that data going and palantir access i mean who's got peter teal ew gross 
Anyway, uh, we're going to move back down to San Jose here. It, uh, a former officer uh, alleged being harassed as a, as a police officer. I couldn't imagine uh, other police officers harassing a police officer, maybe, if they didn't toe the line. But let's see what's going on here. It's more San Jose losing more money that they could be spending on all those employee raises. The city of San Jose recently approved a $400,000 settlement for a former San Jose police officer who says he was harassed for being Muslim. KTV South Bay reporter LaMonica Peters joins us live tonight with more on the story. LaMonica. Yeah, yeah. Mike, the former police officer says that he was subjected to jokes and teasing about 9-11. His attorney says he had had enough, so he left the force and then filed a lawsuit. He sacrificed his career to make this point. Randy Strauss is the attorney who represented former San Jose police officer Nabil Hadar, who sued the department in 2018. Hadar was born in Lebanon and is a practicing Muslim who joined the force in 1996. After the 9-11 attacks, he started to be um, uh, uh, targeted and attacked by fellow police officers because he was a Muslim from the Middle East. And what I mean is on an almost daily basis, he was called names, really disgusting names, like terrorist, suicide bomber, um, member of ISIS. The complaint says in 2003, when the United States invaded Iraq, harassment towards Adar escalated. He says he was repeatedly harassed during briefing meetings. Though he served in the United States military, Hadar says on Veterans Day 2017, during a meeting, a captain called him an ISIS veteran, and everyone burst into laughter. For Nabil, that was really the breaking point. That's when he realized that he would never fit in with this group of guys and, and women, that he was an outsider, he was an other. After leaving the force and filing a lawsuit, Strauss says San Jose police claimed Hadar participated in the jokes and called it locker room banter. In response to the settlement, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, or CARE, released a statement saying, in part, it is deeply concerning that the city and San Jose Police Department did not acknowledge any wrongdoing, instead choosing to trivialize his claims by suggesting he was a willing participant. We reached out to the San Jose City Attorney's Office, but they didn't respond in time for this report. And Strauss says that Hadar has since moved out of the Bay Area. Mike? LaMonica Peters, live tonight in San Jose. LaMonica, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> it's not really surprising. Like, police culture is shitty like that. I oh, mean, this 100%. guy might, you know, that, that's, uh, I mean, and it's, we're this is how we talk about, like, like all cops are bastards or whatever, but it's, like, rotten to the core. Like, I, I probably didn't like, I probably don't like this guy, right? This guy's a cop. But he, sure. he was a cop and a fucking, he was a veteran who wanted to go join the fucking San Jose cops, and it wasn't even good enough for these, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah. like, all the signals that he was one of them, and the organization is just so fucking rotten to the core that they couldn't just accept him in and let him be a fellow bastard with them like he wanted to be. Like, and hence why this is on our docket uh, under winners and losers, because there are just no winners here. This is this this shitty, and it's it's so obvious and so so not surprising, right? 
And if anything, it's just, again, it's just another, another settlement, another uh, chunk of money that can't go into good programs because we have to reserve, you know, millions of dollars every year for legal settlements because the city and the PD can't get their act together. Right. So it's one, one after another. Um, and this one was easily preventable. And again, like you said, someone who, like if this, if not this guy, then who, right? Like, honestly, um, if, if, so, and it was just because he's it's just because he's a Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, and it's it's absolutely shitty that they don't accept wrongdoing, but that's what settlements are, right? At the end of the day, you don't go to trial and you can say, you know, you don't have to admit that you were wrong or guilty. You just say that, oh, I just didn't want to spend the money to go to trial. So I'll give and you the money. I just again, like this guy was trying to be a bastard with these other bastard cops and they just weren't yes. gonna let him. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. So this this guy, I mean, I I I'm not I, but listen, I ain't saying that. Like I, like I said, I don't. I bet this guy was a piece of shit too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who knows? Yeah. With that, with that hairdo. Um. Well, he might have just been bald and just decided I, to, I to, don't, to chrome I, dome it. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Anyway, we're like gonna move bullet, on though. here. Uh, Bay Area residents, uh, they think all their city cores are on a downward spiral. And I like your notes here. Like, where, where would they get, where would they get that mm. notion from? Hence, it's on local. The the irony this is on local news and KPIX, no less, right? Right. The, yeah, KPI. I think KPIX is worse than the local Fox affiliate on this affiliate on this stuff most of the time. I think so. Uh, so yeah, get your shit together. You can figure out who to get who needs to get their shit together here. The new poll finds people living in the Bay Area are rapidly losing faith in their downtowns, and it's not just San Francisco. But Max Darrow says not everybody is all that worried. Anthony Kudemi and Doris Calderon were among the many folks along the Embarcadero on Sunday. They're visiting from Toronto and have enjoyed every bit of their five-day trip to San Francisco. Honestly, nothing but good stuff from our end. All good stuff. But a recent survey of folks who live in the Bay Area revealed many locals do not have great stuff to say about their downtowns. According to the survey sponsored by the Bay Area News Group and joint venture Silicon Valley, 80% of voters see the state of the Bay Area downtowns, San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, as a major problem. That is a very high result. Uh, when you do public opinion serving, uh, surveys, uh, you don't expect to see uh, big numbers. You expect to see simple majorities. Russell Hancock is the president and CEO of joint venture Silicon Valley. Concerns include a rise in homelessness and crime, retail leaving downtown areas, and a loss of people in downtown areas. We've been. I got to stop here. Retail's leaving all areas. Yes. 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 Retail. I mean, except for retail, just dying. Yeah, other than these de destination retail centers, right, which are just getting bigger and bigger and trying desperately to hold on, right? Um, eventually, they're all going to collapse. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's dying everywhere. A very slow death. A very difficult blow by the pandemic, and we have to figure out how to overcome it. That's what Hancock hopes this survey will help accomplish. We that guy also looks like he tries to drink the blood of the young to stay young himself, but that's different. He does, in fact. Analysis to the region's leaders across in all a way. sectors so that they can take up the findings. And he keeps it in that vase. Our challenges. Brianna Izagiri and Raquel Saldivar both have called San Francisco home for many years, and they're both still happy to be here. Though it's changed a lot, like there's still so much beautiful stuff happening here all the time. Izagiri says there are parts of the city where... You'll see people living in despair, and unfortunately, uh, I think that results in a lot of crime, and people feel like that's not being dealt with properly. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's pockets of the city. The city in general is a beautiful city. 
Saldivar says. I know in Europe they do a much better job at like giving people shelter and that's what we need and like more um, public programs. Um, oh, I love her. Mitigate those problems. She's running for supervisor. There is no question the boom and bust region is in the midst no, of a bust. No, I, I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I wish. Fuck. ...to grow. Anybody who's been alive long enough knows that these things cycle. And uh, we know that you should never... This guy's going to live forever. He has many leather bound books. Periods, but we also know you should never become overly despondent during downturns. Back on the Embarcadero, Kudemi and Calderon say they... I have lived through many downturns. And while they think the negative perception is overhyped, they're rooting for the region to find new success. Yeah, we hope it can be addressed and that... Because the city's yeah, spectacular. Because we spoke to some local San Fran people and they've noticed changes in their city and, you know, they would like to get it back. A conundrum with no clear solution. Hopefully they didn't call it San Fran to those folks' faces. <laughs> well, you know, better than Frisco. You know what's crazy, I though, guess. is like... They said, oh, you know, okay, first of all, that, that, that joint ventures is a, a think tank, a business think tank. So I wonder who they surveyed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's also Bay Area News Group too, right? So local, local news, the folks, the very folks that benefit and sell more newspapers by, you know, putting out tabloid style stories about how downtown's, you know, collapsing, right? They're the ones that funded, that helped fund it and the business think tank. Gee, yeah. I wonder if the, it really doesn't matter if, if it was scientific and they reached like a broad spectrum of people. It's more like the survey is fundamentally flawed from the beginning because of the people that are putting it together, right? Like they, they have wonder, a slant and they have an angle. I also wonder how open-ended the question was. Oh, because for sure. if you I ask would, me, are the downtowns thriving? My answer is no, but my answer is going to be a lot different. Like if you ask me why, I'm going to give you a different answer, especially for maybe San Jose where I you know just lived versus maybe some kind of NIMBY person. Right, my answer is going to be, well, uh, where the fuck is the entertainment? Where's there something to do? Yeah, well, I and, figure, I think they're having a. I, I want to say it's tomorrow. They're having a briefing, a public briefing, or not public, but you still have to like pay, I think, to get in. But they're having a briefing on the poll, um, so you can find out a little more about it there. And I would hope that they would, you know, you would think that they would release the, you know, the questions and the the, uh, you know, all the details. Oftentimes, no, they just announce the top line information and just say like, this is what we got out of the poll and we won't tell you what we asked. We'll just tell you this is what, how people responded to what we weren't tell you that we asked. Um, Somebody be like, how's the downtown? I'd be like, uh, what day and time? Right. <laughs> for what purpose exactly? Right. <laughs> right. Like, what am I going downtown for? Right. So, right. Am, um, I, am I going, am I meeting, am I meeting moms for lunch? Well then if, you know, Friday at 2 PM, it's great. Am I trying to find something to do in downtown San Jose that isn't on post street or the caravan on Friday night? Well, then it's fucked. Yeah. And, uh, if you actually, so, um, you can pull out, um, they did release some, uh, deeper detail and there was a question around San Jose specifically reason why you don't go downtown or reasons why. And they give you a whole list, right. And you pick, you prioritize or rate or rank, or you just pick one and with a bullet, Without a doubt, seventy-five percent kind of uh, approval was there's nothing there's not shit to do. Um, everything else like homelessness, filth, whatever you want, whatever the the the, the you know crime, um, blight, all these trigger words, all that was way lower on the on the list. It was like in the single digits, literally. I think there was maybe three right. things in double digits, and it was like eleven percent, twelve percent, seventy-five percent, nothing to do. Right, so. Oh. There you are know, things to do in certain areas in certain times, but most people don't know about them. And we certainly do a shitty job of like supporting more shit happening. Right. We just let well, it, you fail. know, you, you and I are different. You know, you have, you have, a, you have a wife and a kid, 
and I'm like a single guy who likes to party. But if we're going to go meet somewhere in the South Bay, maybe on a like a or like you know Friday evening or whatever, you know, so we can go do some stuff. Then afterwards, I'm going to continue on with the nightlife. We're meeting in Willow Glen or Campbell or maybe downtown Sunnyvale. Unless like one, unless like one of a handful of uh, bands is playing at the caravan, but then we're still probably meeting in Willow Glen, and I'm taking the light rail after I uh, after we go do something because like there's just so much like outside of downtown San Jose, there's just so much cool shit going on in like the other cities, be it restaurants or you can even catch a show in other cities like surrounding San Jose. So it's you know if, if if oh I would just rather go to downtown Campbell is one of the choices on that list i bet it scores higher than blight <laughs> which we, we would we will never find out because it wasn't on the list unfortunately but um yeah i i think that you're more than likely right and the va- just drive downtown and see all the vacancies see all the vacant storefronts see all of uh see where all the, the clubs you know, used to be see where all the clubs used to be um and just you you get the feel of a place that could be something else like it could be something fun and walkable and and vibrant and all these things they want it to be and you wonder okay well, why is it not and what are some of the factors there and maybe we should start exploring those things and people have and smart people have <laughs> and people who have the lived experience have and who are living down there and working down there have and they've done all the studies and they've done all the work it's just it's a question of like the will to to make the investment to get it done and to, and to stop and, and to really make a, a concerted effort to do it, not just let the free market handle itself, right? Like really make an investment in supporting these businesses. I, I guarantee you the ones in Campbell and downtown Sunnyvale and all those places, I guarantee you they're feeling the love from the city. I guarantee yes. you they're feeling the love, um, you know, it, in either in you know reduced fees or uh, benefits or some sort, you know, some sort of, a, or just know, the city issuing permits support. in a timely fashion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so not, there's, there's not sweating somebody because it might be a little bit loud. All these things. All these things are true. Absolutely. And I mean, not for nothing, like there's one district where the, the district in downtown is trying to make it something in its sofa. So it's not the first area. They're trying to do a little art district there. Yeah. And the turnover of businesses there is just unreal. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just not, there's just not there there yet really even too. There's just not, you know, and they expect people moving into these high rises to be the, the patrons, right. And the, audience and the, the the crowd and yeah i think that's part of it but that's a really select group of people and also you've got a city of a million people out there that are just sitting around waiting for something to do in their neighborhood frankly most of the time right that's why they go to campbell that's why they go somewhere else they're kind of waiting around in their neighborhood for something to happen so if there was a place they could go in their own city i think that they would go a, a downtown a hip vibrant downtown there's more and more people who want that right and and who aren't you know uh stuck in the suburban you know lost paradise right well san jose is like covers a lot of space too and i think there's just a lot of people who don't go to downtown don't live in downtown and they don't they don't but they will still be like against a dance club opening in downtown or whatever i mean well they're the people i'm talking about and there's i think there's going to be more and more people out there who and i think there are plenty of people out there and families out there and others who who do want something who do who would respond and would go downtown if they knew or they were offered, you know, an opportunity um, to experience something. Well, the I other thing is, people, the other thing is, like less and less, less and less people are raising their kids in San Jose because it's too expensive. So less maybe and less people are raising kids. Period. In right, cities. right. But what I'm saying is even less so in like the Bay Area cities. So maybe, maybe you know, it's not that there shouldn't be stuff for the family, but maybe the city shouldn't be focused around fucking family fun for everyone because yeah, well, San Jose is a very, it's a place where there's just not that many people raising kids. 
Well, that's that's not true. That that's actually they actually is more more kids and there are more families in San Jose than any other city probably in the in the county by uh, per capita. But that being said, it's just, it's a big city, and there's plenty of people out there with disposable incomes who are not having kids who need something to do right and want something to do on a Friday night. Um, that's not family fun necessarily. Um, but we're just not catering to any of that. We're not catering to any of them in in a really relevant way to the people that are in San Jose already. They're right here. They don't have to be told where San Jose is or uh, pointed in the right direction. And frankly, the people in San Francisco and Oakland don't give a shit. They don't think we even exist, right? We think, oh, I'll go to the city for a show. I'll go to Oakland for this or that. They don't even think we fucking exist. So we might as well just market to ourselves and figure out a way to get all of the large assets out there invested in our uh, in our business, in our uh, retail, in our commercial, and our entertainment community. Um, but we just don't do that. We don't make that choice. Yeah, and <clears throat> oh, I have I have so much that there. There's just so much. I, I like. <clears throat> it just seems like any time, like you know, in San Jose, trying to just get a permit for a place that's 21 and over is a nightmare because your 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 place is 21 and over. They the the primary the primary product is going to be alcohol and entertainment, and the city of San Jose is just like no. Yeah, if I mean if they try, but. Yeah, they still have regulations that have been on the books for decades that they can't get around unless someone changes them. All right, let's move on to a down ballot watch. This is where things are uh, specifically about, I guess, uh, city government, local government. Everything's political on this show, but this is more about the uh, like uh, races or um, well, mostly races. And we only have one story. There are 29 candidates going to be running for a uh, San Francisco mayor coming up here. And, um, Let's see. We're probably not going to hear from all 29 of them. I mean, who has? No, <laughs> but you know, at least sounds like 28 of them aren't into the whole clean, safe city that London breed is pitching. So, <laughs> um, these are, these are the folks that are going to try and challenge the strong incumbent mayor. The race for mayor in San Francisco became even more crowded today as a San Francisco native and City Hall outsider officially filed his paperwork. KTV's Christian Captain joins us live tonight from City Hall with more on the story. Christian? Yeah, San Francisco's mayor is now facing another challenger for her office. Daniel Lurie formally announced his candidacy today. Before a packed house in San Francisco's Potrero Hill, Daniel Lurie announced that he is officially in the race to lead San Francisco, running for mayor in 2024. Lurie says the city has thrown money at homelessness, drug use, and crime, but they seem to be issues current leaders can't resolve. This is not a crisis of resources. This is a crisis of leadership. You Please clap. The heir to Please Levi's clap. fortune says his experience leading the nonprofit Tipping Point, aimed at tackling poverty, has given him the tools to cut through San Francisco's notorious bureaucracy. I have a, a track record of bringing diverse teams together, diverse groups together, and getting big things done for the people of San Francisco. Lurie joins a crowded field with 29 candidates now having declared their intention to run for mayor. District 11 Supervisor Asha Safai announced his candidacy in May. Safety also topping his list of concerns. On the steps of City Hall Tuesday, he proposed an ordinance calling on San Francisco's police chief to increase foot and bike patrols throughout the city to combat crime. He says the problems start at the top. And everyday San Franciscans talk about the crime that they're experiencing in the city and what we're missing 
is leadership. What we're missing is leadership from the mayor's office. For her part, the city's current mayor, London Breed, Tuesday backed new legislation requiring drug users to seek treatment in order to receive general assistance benefits. Mayor Breed says she knows that some won't like the new plan, but she says it's critical the city change things up and that begins with accountability. While more work is needed, she says her administration is making progress. We've helped almost 10,000 people people exit homelessness. These would be people that would otherwise be on our streets. Well, you don't know that. Now, San Franciscans will have more than a year to make their decision about the uh, next mayor. Uh, voters uh, approved Proposition H last year, which moved the dates of the city's mayoral election to align with presidential election years. That is expected to boost the number of voters selecting the next mayor. We're live in San Francisco. Christian Kaftan, KTVU. Fox 2 News. And Christian, San Franciscans usually vote, you know, to promote from within City Hall. You know, I'm wondering if political insiders actually think an outsider of city government, even with a lurie name, you know, can win the office. Well, that's the, the $64,000 yeah. question, isn't it, Mike? Uh, at this point, no one knows. Uh, he, uh, the, the talk in the room was that he seemed to be a strong candidate, but uh, of course it's going to take some time to see how he tests out. Uh, how his uh, press appearances go, uh, what his policy directives are. We, we asked for some specifics today and didn't get a lot of specifics right away. So once we start getting down to the nitty gritty, the voters get their say, uh, perhaps we'll see uh, a little bit more about how this race might shape up. Right? Yeah, 2024, no doubt. Fuck it, Andrew Yang should move to San Francisco and run too. Fuck it. Christian, thank you. Let's, let's, let's party. Might as well, right? Um, yeah, just another, uh, looks like another Ed 209 potentially. Uh, but Do you know much about him? Daniel Lurie, no. I know his, I want to say, it's probably his grandfather, I'm guessing, was Bob Lurie, was the owner of the Giants for a very long time, um, and then almost moved the team to Tampa Bay, so not not really like a warm place in my heart necessarily, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a long-time San Jose legacy family, um, And but I don't know much about him or Tipping Point, so he seems like just another white savior. Gotcha. Well, yeah, we'll, we we'll have we more. have two and another things. We'll uh, we'll do the lightning round here because we are kind of up again. Although we don't really have. Eh. Well, I, I did spill bong water all over myself right about five oh, minutes that, into the that, show. Was so. that the crisis? Yeah, let's do lightning round on this so you can get you can get yourself some. Good thing we don't. Uh, good thing we don't have a, a a smell phone call. Yeah, seriously, it's it's quite pun. It, the good news was I did change the water a couple of days ago, so it's not as pungent as it might be normally. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and do the lightning round here. We got a uh, car versus structure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wish we would. I wish we would have kept statistics on this when we started, but it seems we like usually back. the car wins. Yeah, we, we, this is all in somewhere in the cloud, right? We can go back. Podcast listener, listener, viewer, go back and do the research. Chat, do the research and, and let us know, please. Thank you. Our other top story is San Jose burglary illustrates slow news day. how brazen yeah. thieves can be. Overnight, police say someone stole a pickup truck and then rammed it into a bakery, leaving a wake of loss and destruction. And NBC cakes. Area's Chris Sanchez joins us from the scene this a morning wake with of what cakes. the owner says this will cost him. Chris? Well, Laura, there's the stuff that was stolen. That's one cost. But you see the repair work happening here behind me. The replacing all of that glass is going to cost the owner at least $12,000. Then there's the fact that there are fewer customers because of all the work that's happening. And the owner had to take time off from his other job. And those are just some of the costs associated with waking up with this nightmare. Oh. And I saw the whole ah. went inside. 
So I told him to call the police. This is what business owner Peter Tran woke up to this morning, a full-sized pickup truck plowing through the glass storefront and iron bars of Cafe Queen Bakery, which he and his wife have owned for 14 years. The suspect then hops out of what we now know was a stolen truck and took tens of thousands of dollars worth of cash, cigarettes, and lottery tickets. And though Tran had burglar bars, an alarm system, surveillance lottery tickets are useless. and the strip mall has daytime mm. security, this is not the first break-in. Despite all of the security measures, the thieves have come back over and over again. They have also broken in through the back door. They have broken in through the bathroom. They have cut through the wall of the business next door and come in that way. They've Should even they've seen come burn notice? through the roof. Uh, with the economy, the tough time right now. You might want to stop keeping whatever they're coming for in your store. <laughs> if they're cutting through the walls. Prepare myself, uh, and I'm expecting this will happen uh, to us. Doesn't make it easier though. No, but you just have to deal with it. Nearly 1,800 burglaries were reported in the city of San Jose in the first six months of this year. That is nearly a 13% decrease over the same period last year. Still, Tran wants the city of San Jose and the San Jose Police Department to do more. And I want police to, uh, especially in, in this area, this community, um, they need to step up the patrol. And what about your city council members, your mayor? What do you want to say? Hire more police. Easy for you to say. Now, the San Jose Police Department has about 1,060 officers, which is about 9% fewer than they'd like for a city this size. Now, by the way, the thief did take off with a bunch of lottery tickets, but they are batch numbered. And yeah, once the lottery office gets those numbers, they will be invalidated, so they will be worthless. In San Jose, Chris Sanchez, NBC Bay Area News. So that sucks and it looks like the vehicle one apparently yeah the the restaurant did not or the bakery did not look very well after or it's been the vehicle looked like it rolled away so um <clears throat> the cigarettes are going to be easy to sell the cash is cash you're not you're not going to have sequential bills if you take a lot of cash payments <clears throat> i don't know i don't know what the what you know the the, the city must have done must have done some hiring because I I don't remember it just being nine percent short the last time they were talking about the, the cops. Depends who you ask and when you ask, right? And what 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 the, what to them is an adequate force, right? If you look at like uh, other cities, ma major cities in terms of per capita, right? Um, we're about half where we should be um, theoretically of sworn officers. But again, as we talked about before, we get by because we're a generally safe community, frankly, um, and uh, and a formerly suburban community, so. Um, we can afford, I think, to have a lower force, and maybe they're being more realistic that they're just short where they want to be, or they could be what they're budgeted for too. They they definitely have hundreds of budgeted unfilled positions, so that could be that nine percent. Gotcha, gotcha. We got one more uh, Legoland. I, I I fucking thought that like the old uh, the old um, what is it the old Nordstrom location? I thought yep. that they weren't going to figure out anything, uh, but I think oh, Legoland on. is actually come the. On. I think Legoland is actually the it's my that's my favorite right now. Something for the kids, the something thing. fun. Yeah, Fam, good family fun. A family fun for everyone, in right downtown. there in the heart of downtown San Francisco. 
Come on down. Millers leave San Francisco's Westfield Mall. People are floating ideas for what to do with that space. And one proposal is getting some attention. That idea is to turn part of the center into a Legoland. Now, it wouldn't be an outdoor amusement park like in Southern California, but instead would be modeled after the Legoland Discovery Center at the Great Mall in Milpitas. Katie so spoke with San Francisco architect who proposed the idea. He says the space has a lot going for it and is confident that Legoland would be a good fit. I think that the one in the South Bay is attracting a lot less tourists than this would. You know, I think that that's more of a regional destination for families. And I, I think that this would really be catering more to, you know, people that are coming to San Francisco on vacation or maybe traveling in for the day from Sacramento or something. San Francisco's Westfield Mall already has a small Lego store downstairs. Hogan says this could be an extension of something that is already working to bring people to the mall. I'm with it. Build Lego land. Just just don't let people walk barefoot. You ever step on a, one of them little Legos? Oh God, it's so painful. I've actually, uh, just today, I re yesterday, sorry, last night, it's all blending, had the, the dad moment for the first time. It only took a year of stepping on a toy in the dark and screaming out in pain. So first of many. So you're, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. Yeah. I think I'm doing great. The, the only, there was a couple things I thought would work for, and I don't know if they're talking about the old Nordstrom location. There were two things I thought would work there. Um, well, one thing, well now two, a giant Lego land built in because that's kind of a cool space anyway. So like building like Lego stuff in there totally. would be pretty Slides. fucking rad. But yeah, also yeah. like the only other thing I could have thought of would have been like a, a dance club, honestly. <laughs> that could still work. You could have Legoland Dance Club, right? Good family friendly fun from eight to eight, and then from eight to eight. <laughs> Your downtown destination for twenty four hour entertainment. <laughs> well, I guess they have to like spend an hour cleaning up between yeah, yeah. each one, right, and turning yeah, yeah. it around. So just change the lighting. The lights go red. Eight, you know? eight to eight, and nine to seven. There you go. There you go. And of course, like you know, Mondays and Tuesdays they can do a deep clean. But, uh, well, I guess they have to. I guess they have to wrap up. I mean, legally they have to wrap up. What four is that? The new closing yeah. time? Yeah, oh, I don't so. know. Yeah, I think four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of time to clean up and, and clean all the vomit off the floors before the kids come in to, to do the Lego slides. This is the kind of forward thinking people come here for: is the combination Lego Land slash a rave. Exactly. I mean, I, I would hope that city council members, supervisors are listening to us, city planners, um, and and avid watchers or viewers and listeners of uh, of this wonderful show and are absorbing all of the genius that we we spew out on a weekly basis at 7 30 p.m pacific time right here on echoplex media and with that you want to read the show out 100 percent um stick around for public comment uh, always a good time on a tuesday night and uh, we'll see you next tuesday at 7 30 p.m pacific uh in the meantime i want you all to stay cool i want you all to get vaxxed i want you all to wear a mask pants are optional and for me i'm going to be taking them off because they're covered with bong water so hope you have a great weekend and uh peace out <laughs>
to get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With the pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We to get the fuck up on stage and like the scene We do what we want what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one and another one. Now, just when the magic starts kicking in, I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in. Alright, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink, spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me. Yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We want what we want to do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight. It's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now, who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rolly, all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Jam, so sit back and enjoy the band.
Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that Now Space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.